morning. It's Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Stuff to do today. Well, um, I, I don't know. Apparently, there's some sort of cell phone issue today, so I'm, we're going to blame that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a less than inspiring. No offense to the guests we have scheduled this morning. I love Jake Lock or Gate Jake. Ugh. I think I've made the Gabe Locks, Jake Luke. I think I somehow combined the two of them into one person. But Gabe Locks is going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, of course, covers uh, baseball for USA Today. He was in Sarasota checking out the Orioles. Talk to him about that. Kyle Stackpole, our friend from CBS Sports, covers the NFL draft. Like those guys, happy to have them joining us. But thin, and we're going to choose... To say it's because of this, whatever this cell phone thing is. That's what we're going to choose to do. This is a nightmare for me. Griffin's apparently having, there's an earthquake over there. I don't know what's going on. Neither do I. We'll see what happens during the course of the morning. We'll see how everything plays out. Today's show brought to you by Goose Flights, available all over town. Cans available at the seven locations of Glory Days Grill here in the state of Maryland. Cans also available at the Green Turtle Pep Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. And cans are available at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Cans and Sixers available at the Costa Sin in Dundalk, as well as at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. And cases and Sixers available at the Wine Source in Hamden. Goose Flights Delicious Lager goes to support a wonderful charity. 198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation. Pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. There was also a, a really amazing giveaway that we did in, in concert with the release of Goose Flights. And I will acknowledge that maybe we didn't talk it up the way that we should have. You could win up to $1,000 worth of credit for tickets to see various Baltimore sporting events mm. if you go to pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights and sign up there. But... You, you got to sign up by the end of the month. Got to sign up by next Thursday. It is a uh, leap year, so we got a 29th day in February. Got to sign up by next Thursday. If you do, you will be registered to win up to $1,000 in credit to check out Baltimore sporting events. Details available, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. All right, so the uh, story of the day is, of course, the fact that the University of Maryland landed Derek Queen, long, prolonged recruitment, did not commit in December, dragged it out, ultimately decided to commit, stay, I say stay home. He had actually left home to go finish uh, his prep career down at the Montverde Academy in uh, Florida, but he'll come back home, Baltimore native, who started his high school career at St. Francis. Very big deal. Five-star recruit. One of the top individual players in the country. Number 12 overall, according to some recruiting services. Number 10 overall, according to others. On paper, one of the more significant recruits in the history of Maryland basketball. It's a big deal. It's a on paper, it's a really big deal. It's a bigger deal because things have gone so poorly 
for Kevin Willard this season for the University of Maryland that a fan base that had been inclined to wake up a season ago had fallen right back asleep. There was no world in which Kevin Willard was going to get fired because of this season, as disappointing as it's been, for a number of reasons. One being, even if you could, it doesn't really make sense to fire someone two years in. Like you got to allow time to play out. But on top of that, you can't economically. The guy's got a seven-year deal. It's just not going to happen. You all were wasting your breath even throwing it out there, even just saying, they might have to fire this guy. Stop. It was wasted breath. But it was going to be difficult to reel this fan base back in without doing something like this or landing, say, some significantly known player in the transfer portal. Not that I could tell you who that would have been, because I don't even know who's going to be in the transfer portal. They needed something to wake the fan base up, to say, hey, there is still something going on here. This is not a rudderless ship. Everything's everything's good. Now, whether or not everything actually is good... To be determined. I can't tell you with certainty that Derek Queen is going to solve Maryland's problems. Remember, Diamond Stone was going to do this for Mark Turgeon some years ago. Didn't prove to be the case. I can't guarantee that Derek Queen is going to immediately dominate college basketball and is going to prove to be one of the best players in the country in year one. Some people would tell you that if you're going to land a top recruit, a big man isn't the way to do it in college basketball. We talked about this last year in terms of Hunter Dickinson. Obviously, in hindsight, it would have been nice to have Hunter Dickinson. We'll have to see what it will ultimately look like if um, Juju Reese sticks around. And I don't know why he wouldn't. But this is college basketball that we're talking about. And anybody could leave at any moment. But if Juju Reese is here... It would be interesting to see what that combination would look like of the two of them on the floor at the same time. You would think that would be very difficult for a team to match up with. Now, that smells on paper like a good way of playing Big Ten basketball. Whether or not that's a good way of ultimately trying to break through and win in the NCAA tournament, I don't know. They're not... Derek Queen alone is not going to suddenly make Maryland a contender to... Go to the Final Four next year. Even if Derek Queen is as good as advertised. Even if he has a simple transition, is a dominant post player, Derek Queen alone will not do that. Ironically, maybe Derek Queen this year would have been much more helpful because you had some help in the backcourt. Maryland's going to have to figure out what their backcourt looks like post Jameer Young. And either it's going to require a significant step up from the two freshmen who have, you know, disappointed mightily this season, presuming that Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser Jr. are back next year, they're going to have to take a serious step forward, or you're going to have to find help in the portal. And there's already, apparently, some names that are potentially intriguing for the University of Maryland, and God knows what else might end up in the portal. 
it appears as though that's going to un- ultimately be the route they go to try to find backcourt help, specifically a point guard. But presumably any math for any calculus that you do where Maryland is better next season has to involve Harris Smith and Kaiser taking a significant step forward. And it seems like they've gotten better. They've had this moments. Season. Yeah. Uh, they have not been consistent enough for no. me to say they've turned the corner. They've right, had right. both of them have had moments, and that's as best as I can give them. But from where it started, it feels. I, I mean, again, if it's just not consistent enough, like some guys have moments. They need that to be consistent. A year from now, they need to be at least able to knock down open outside jumpers. Bare minimum. And I get it. Like, it's college basketball. A lot of the guys that can do that don't play college basketball. They just go right on ahead. They're advanced. They're on the next level. If that's the minimum that you're starting with, that was the minimum for Kevin Herter, right? Kevin Herter at the minimum, if you left him open in the corner, he was knocking down that shot. And he got to the NBA because of it. Had a nice little career. I get it. Like, that's... If you can do that, you can be helpful. That's what they'll need. But they needed this to get this fan base, to get this region out of its slumber. Obviously, it doesn't make any of the rest of the season more interesting. This season is a wash. That's a bummer. It is. It's a bummer. It would have been nice for Maryland basketball to have mattered at least for a few weeks between the end of Ravens' season and the start of Orioles' season, but it didn't happen. And particularly disappointed based on where we thought the program was at the end of last year and coming into this season, we believed that that should have been the floor and they should have been moving ahead. It's all it's disappointing. There's no way around it. But this goes a long way to ease concerns. To say, hey, we're still going to be able to land players. People are still bought into what's going on here. Even if the results this season were disappointing to say it nicely they needed this they badly needed a win I'm not going to get carried away I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to do the thing uh, suddenly you look at Maryland and they could be national t- no no not until we see something different Like you, it doesn't work that way They've got more work to do, and we'll see. Like, I, th- there's the other sides of these conversations that, like, you can't talk about publicly. What was the NIL commitment? Why did Derek Queen not commit in December when everyone thought that Maryland was always the place he was going to end up? There were rumors about Indiana, Houston stepping in. Did Maryland have to meet a certain criteria with an NIL offer? in order to land Derek Queen. It's the stuff that, like, it's weird because we all know it's true, but yet we, we still don't kind of talk about it. It's weird. And if that's the case, does it say something about 
Maryland's mobilization in terms of NIL that they would be in better position to go after other guys. They lost out on other recruits they were interested in last fall. The word was they were kind of laser-focused on Derrick Queen. So if they get to the transfer portal, and if the difference ends up being NIL money, is there is there more of an investment? Has Kevin Willard, maybe while the results on the floor haven't been good this season, has he been able to mobilize the money people surrounding Maryland basketball to give more in terms of NIL in order to try to make this type of stuff happen? Because while that doesn't give you a banner, you don't get to hang a got more NIL money championship banner, it could prove to be significant moving forward because this ain't going anywhere. Like, this is the way it's going to work. So those are the other elements of this that we can't necessarily know the answers to. But if this is about mobilization, if it's about getting a commitment from a core group of people around Maryland basketball, then as disappointing as maybe it's been to tune into games and see there's been like 5,000 people there this season, if the right core group of people is stepping up to the plate and giving more money, then maybe it's some sort of mad scientist situation. Again, none of it it sounds like I'm making a pass, giving a pass for the fact that the team's been bad this year. There's no pass for that. It's inexcusable how bad the team's been this year. It's, it's inexcusable how little development, even though we've seen moments, how little overall development there's been from the young players. But, but at least there's something. There's a guy who's obsessed with me on the internet, and I can't remember what his name is, but he hates when I always use the phrase that there's a there there. Yeah, what do you mean by that? It's not that hard. I mean, it's it'd be like being mad at somebody for saying uh, it is what it is. Like it's just something that people say, Chief. Like, it, you want me to say it in a more eloquent way? Yeah, say there's potential. God, God bless or... you. God bless you. This uh-huh. guy's my biggest fan. I, I I never know whether he wants to have sex with me or whether he wants to kill me. I can't quite figure out which one there is. It's the case with most people, isn't it? I, I think it might be both. Right? Like. I'm sorry. You seem very nice. I I am married, alas. It's what it is. Um, I know. That's the only thing. I, I know. That's it. Otherwise, I don't know. I, I, he's he's one of those weirdos that doesn't have a picture of himself on Twitter. Like he I, he hides behind a mask. I can't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe send a picture. We'll see. Um, but it, it is. It's a there there thing. It's a like that's the reality of this. Maryland basketball. There was no there there two days ago rudderless almost no reason for anyone to be excited whatsoever about Maryland basketball no reason to even be thinking about Maryland basketball it was almost adorable that someone would continue to watch the games it sort of speaks to how little there is when you're in a market that doesn't have an NBA or an HL team and in in DC they only barely have those things um like the NHL I guess matters in DC uh, they're still not very good, but like they have been, and they have a player that matters. So I got that. Um, but it it speaks to kind of how desperate we are as sports fans that like people were still watching the game on Tuesday night. Like you had to go to Peacock 
to watch a bad basketball team, and yet there were still people that were doing it. God bless. I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that like there's there is a floor to how disinterested this fan base can get because people were still watching. Just nuts. And I, I had it on in the background. Yeah, they got about five minutes to... out of me. Five minutes. And then there was a so- – that's not true. It got the better part of the first half. Then I remember there was a soccer match on at 10 o'clock, and mm. I said, yep, that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to watch the soccer at that point. But the there, there thing is real. It's It matters. There, you have to feel like it's not wasted – breath well it's not wasted energy it's not wasted conversation to even be thinking and considering what's going on with Maryland basketball it's it's the bare minimum for a program like it there can't be a lower standard for is there interest in your program than just am I not wasting my breath to consider it and I'm not trying to say that Maryland this year was DePaul irrelevant there's been one game all season that was like really relevant for Maryland the Illinois game on the road which they happened to win outside of that there were there weren't even big games like even the UCLA game which on paper was still UCLA at the time was coming off the heels of them not being able to win a game at the beginning of the season against any real opponents you couldn't convince yourself that it was a game that mattered. When they played the Illinois game, you were like, well, hey, if they could win this one, maybe they could go get something going. But then they just didn't really have any big opponents. And part of that is still that like Maryland's never really found, unfortunately, because they've had so little success in the Big Ten, there, there aren't even measuring games for Maryland in the Big Ten. There's just no rivalry. There's no... I, mean, I guess Illinois thinks that Maryland's their rival, oddly. It's very weird, just because they've always lost. But outside of that, there's nothing there. There's no the other team has a number next to their name. Yeah, that's like. it. That's what it requires. And it and even then, it almost has to be a number and like a relevant player in order for this fan base to be up for that game, particularly when Maryland's not very good. So there's life. There's breath now for Maryland basketball because they landed a priority top-notch recruit. That's Today, that's it. It's not, now it changes the trajectory of Maryland basketball. Could it? Maybe. We'll find out. You hope. We can have those conversations when we get there. You know, the guy's not going to play a game until November. We'll see. But at the moment, it's it's almost like staving off. If if Derek Queen had ended up going to Indiana, my God, by the way, the hell happened to them? Thank God that's who you were competing against. Thank God it wasn't a real program. And imagine if like the team that was involved was a real program that was actually doing something. Imagine Indiana, if it was, Indiana worse off right now than uh, at the Maryland. moment. I mean, yeah, because it's. Eesh. Like, they really probably are going to have to fire Mike Woodson in Indiana. Yeah, that's... Like, and didn't they just get pummeled? Didn't they just... Um, that seemed, that sounds like Indiana in 2024. I know, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm saying this like I'm I'm paying attention game in and game out to Indiana. By um, the way, remember that bit yes, that, ES, yeah, 
they, they uh, I thought I just had it. Yeah, um, they yeah, got, they got killed by Nebraska. Yeah, at Nebraska home at home. Night, they just got night. hammered by Nebraska at home. Thank God that's who you were up against. Because I mean, legitimately, that's the difference in feeling, right? Like at Indiana right now, they just got hammered at home by Nebraska, and they lost out on Derek Queen. Now they got the. Um, the other kid, McNeely, who's coming in next year, who was a Derek Queen's teammate, and I think they're excited about him. But this is where you'd be. You'd be in a spot where you'd be bad, and it'd be hopeless. This is a rough combination to be feeling. So at least there's hope. That's all. That's all there is. But at least there's that. It's better than nothing. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match win or lose from Superbook. A couple local teams in action tonight in college basketball. UNBC, five-and-a-half-point dogs on the road at Maine. Uh, I was right about Navy, by the way, last night. Hope you guys cashed in on that one. And then also tonight... Again, in a kind of a must-win situation, Towson at home against Monmouth, six-and-a-half-point favorites. So you want to get in on either of those? You like Towson tonight, by the way, to cover? Uh, I do because of how poorly they played against Monmouth like at the beginning of conference play. Yeah, so I think, feel like... And yeah, how poorly uh, they played last time out. And how poorly... I mean, it, they, they need to bounce back. Obviously, obviously they need to win, but yes, I think yeah. they should bounce back. What is the number? Six and a half. Six, six and, and a half. half is the number tonight. So use the code... I like that. Use the code Clark 23 when you sign up at Superbook. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. All right, let's switch gears. Every week here on GCR, we talk a little NFL draft. Our next guest, once upon a time, was part of the crew here at PressBox. He is now NFL draft editor over at CBS Sports. He's got a new mock draft up. He is our friend Kyle Stackpole, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Kyle, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, Glenn. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Happy to be on. Everything good in your world? Everything's good, yeah. I'm uh, actually heading to the Combine next week. So, I mean, the Super Bowl ends, and you have a week to kind of debrief, and then it's into the Combine and pro days and free agency. It's, there's no breaks in the NFL. No doubt. No doubt about it. There's obviously next week out in Indianapolis, the NFL Combine gets underway. Um, Kyle, let me, let me just sort of start with a couple of broad questions, uh, since this is the first time you and I have talked during draft season. I, I ask this sort of generically, how good is this year's draft class? And where are the strengths in this year's draft class? Yes, I think in terms of high-end talent, this is uh, one of the better draft classes over the past couple of years. I think that starts with the quarterback and the three guys up top with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. But you also have two or three other guys that if they were taking – in drafts the past couple of years probably would have gone in the first round as teams got desperate. So I think you start at quarterback at the top, then you have, it's a really strong offensive tackle class at the top. There could be, I mean, as many as, I think I had nine offensive linemen going in the first round. Um, and then you also have the wide receivers where you have Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's just, an incredible talent and Malik Davis and Roma Dunze are right behind him. So I think in a lot of different areas, it's a really strong draft. And this is a year that you want 
to have more draft picks than maybe in years past. So I, I say this, if you were picking, say, 30th in this year's NFL draft, where would you want your needs to be because it's likely that that's where the talent is going to be late in the first round? Yeah, I think need, I think you start at offensive line yeah. um, because I think just with the amount of guys that are first-round talents, you're going to get one or two of those guys to fall to you. <laughs> Unfortunately, in, in my mind draft, that didn't happen. But like more times than not, it's probably going to happen where you're going to have one of those guys, whether it be Amarius Mims or Tyler Guyton. It, there's just there's so many guys that, that can be there. Uh, and, and one of them, you assume, is going to fall. But uh, I think edge rusher, too, which is I had in my mock draft, Chop Robinson out of Penn State. Uh, I think you got – for edge rusher, there's not that Will Anderson – junior Aiden Hutchinson type guy, but there are solid bottom of the first round uh, talent. So I think as the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen and the receivers are taken early, you're going to have those edge rushers pushed down. So I think you're going to be able to find some value there. Um, and then maybe, maybe quarterback as well. Kind of in the past, you don't have that, you don't have that sauce Gardner in the class, but you have a three or four guys that are vying to go in the, first round from you know 10 all the way down to 30 so I think those are three positions where if you need those uh it, it, it's a good spot and I feel like based on the Ravens draft needs they're in a good position so you bring up Chop Robinson that is who you have the Ravens taking with the 30th pick in your most recent mock draft obviously an interesting story a former Terp in fact Chop Robinson um I've seen people that believe Chop Robinson could be anywhere from like the middle of the first round to a little bit later. Haven't seen a lot who think that he's sitting there at 30. So I guess walk me through both elements of it. Why do you think that Chop Robinson's the fit for Baltimore, and why do you have him surviving all the way down to the 30th pick in the first round? Yeah, I'll, I'll handle the second question. I just think in terms of uh, what I said about the depth at other positions uh, is where you're going to have um, certain guys get pushed down the board, and I think – Edge rusher is, is one of those positions. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of, of what he can add, um, he's, he's just explosive. He's athletic. He's, he's productive. And he's someone who, I mean, he's got a high motor every single play. And he just, I think he just fits what the Ravens want to do. And I, th I think the Ravens, they, they go after the, these athletic guys. And he's, he would be another guy to fit into the rotation with Adafi Owe. And um, David Ajaba, who, you know, for injury reasons, hasn't played as much. So I think in a perfect world, they would probably grab a offensive lineman based on what happens in free agency, because a lot could change with that. But I think he would be a really solid addition at the end of the first round to, especially in, in a division as tough as the Ravens, to get after the quarterback. So you bring up Adafi Owe, and I feel like there would be someone who would make the comparison of, well, why didn't he have more sacks in college, right? Which was the question about Adafi Owe, and we've yet to see it really translate at the NFL level. I, I, don't, I don't know what the – I mean, I guess the answer would be if somebody had, you know, 15 sacks, they'd be going in the top 10. Like, that's just sort of the way this works. Um, do you feel like there's an element to Chop Robinson that that part of his game can still develop more at the NFL level? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's it's something that, yeah, he's, he's going to be able to 
continue to improve and continue to show that he's, you know, he's a guy that can make plays uh, for the Ravens. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily a concern. You see a lot of times where guys, whether they're, you know, not as productive in college for one reason or another, and then they get to the NFL and, and something just clicks and they're able to, to be more productive. And it's also a product of the guys around them too. I mean, if you have, if you, if the Ravens, you assume they're going to tag Justin Matabike and you have him back and you're getting pressure up the middle and that makes the job easier for the edge rushers. So I, I think that's something where you can't always go with, Hey, if he wasn't productive in college, he's not going to be productive in yeah. college. And you also can't go with, Hey, he was really productive in college. That you're just going to assume that he's going to be right. that productive in college or productive in the NFL. See is Kyle Stackpole, CBSSports.com. He is with us here on GCR for our weekly NFL draft segment. Kyle, I feel like in Baltimore, there, as much as the Ravens have improved as far as drafting wide receivers and putting a commitment at the wide receiver position, there's still a thought that they could use an alpha type. You know, the the guy who just looks the part, the six four, six five, contested catch, and I get that everybody's looking for that guy. Is there someone like that that fits the bill that could be in that mix late in the first round? Yeah, I think the first guy that pops into my mind would be uh, Adonai Mitchell uh, from yeah. Texas, 6'4", 196. I've, I actually have him going to the Chiefs, which maybe yeah. the rest of the NFL yeah. don't let Patrick Mahomes get another receiver. Right. Um, but he's someone that, yeah, in terms of, you know, when he walks off the bus, you, you know that he's, he's the number one guy on that offense. And he's got the ability to make contested catches. He's got good speed. I obviously mentioned the size. So he would definitely be someone that if the Ravens are looking to draft a receiver because I think they've drafted a receiver now in the first round three of the last five years. Uh, so you can't, you can't rule it out, even though there are other positions they would need more. But in terms of an alpha guy at that spot, I think Mitchell is definitely the guy you're looking for. Uh, it's somebody who obviously came off the page at me. Well, is Brian Thomas, is he in that mix? Yeah, so he – I, I had him going a little later. He actually might go in the top 20. Okay. Um, but he's he's also someone. So, yeah, I, I would if I had to pick between the two, I would probably take Ryan Thomas. Um, just because he – I feel like earlier in the draft process, people weren't – didn't know of him as well because they were also focused on Malik Neighbors. But I think as people have – gone back and done more work they're like wait a minute there's there's another guy at lsu that was pretty damn good so he's good i have him going to the bills and that was kind of late for me so i think he could be a top 20 guy but okay. if he ends up falling to 30 i think he's someone as well that uh is, can i mean he led the fbs with 17 touchdowns last year so he's, he's he would definitely be someone the ravens will be looking at all right kyle the, you brought up the offensive lineman earlier and i feel like there's two there is still a thought that perhaps the Ravens could move on from Ronnie Stanley, designate him for a post June first, and and save a little bit there. I'm still a little, I don't know, I, I I get some nerves about that because now you need a left tackle, and that's a hell of a need to have going into a season or into an off season. I feel like right now, right guard, it looks like they're not going to bring back Kevin Zeitler. The deadline passed; they already have to take on the dead money. They could still bring him back, but it looks less likely at this point. Does it feel like that, like a starting right guard is to be had late in the first round if that ends up being the primary need at that point? 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have you have a couple guys, uh, actually, both of whom played tackle in college, but they either will move inside a guard or could move inside a guard. The first would be uh, Troy Fontenot from Washington, mm-hmm. um, and the second guy would be Jordan Morgan from Arizona. And I think yeah, they're both they're both players that I agree with you. You don't want to go into the season needing a left tackle and potentially relying on a a rookie, especially with a team that's trying to compete for a Super Bowl. So I think these are guys that they have the experience of left tackle, but they can kick inside. They are talented enough where they can start right away. And if they do have some growing pains, it's not going to be as obvious as someone who's trying to protect Lamar's blind side. So in terms of tackles, guards, I think Bontenu and Jordan Morgan are definitely guys to look at since the other guys are more they're probably going to stick around a tackle and, and let me ask it this way are those guys that like you could draft have them play guard and they really could be you know a year down the road if you move on from ronnie stanley they could be your left tackle in two years if that's the case yeah i think i think they both can i think jordan morgan just because he has more of the size length traits to stay at tackle, whereas a lot of people are projecting uh, font new inside. So I think in terms of if you're going by, like, what are you prioritizing, then I would probably say Jordan Morgan since he has more of that capability to stick at left tackle. But I think I think both guys are, are a solid pick, especially there at late in the first round, because you're going to have a lot of these offense, aside from Olu Pashano and Joe Alt that are probably going to go in the top ten, you're going to have a lot of these guys from 11 to 32 um, that are just going to get picked off at different times, depending on team needs. So I think, I think if either of those guys fall and especially if the Ravens, you know, get rid of one of their guards, then that would be a good spot for them. Let me ask you uh, just another couple of minutes here with Kyle Stackpole from CBS local kid, Chris Braswell, Baltimore native from St. Francis, very productive. And yet, for some reason, I everybody seems to think he's a second-round guy. He's not really in the conversation at 30. Why isn't someone who was more productive considered to be more of that first-round type of talent? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's. It may, I think one would probably be you have you know Dallas Turner and just being overlooked by That's him fair. and, and yeah. just being overlooked by other edge rushers that have come out of Alabama. Um, I think, I think he's someone that's definitely going to rise throughout the draft prospect draft process. And he already has um, because it's kind of the same thing as Brian Thomas jr. Where people are, they watch the Alabama defense and they were so focused on Dallas Turner, where you have the media now, you know, going back and watching these games more closely and saying, wait a minute, this guy's not only productive, but he has the traits that would lend itself to, you know, potentially being a first round pick. So I think as they go through the process, he's someone that's definitely going to climb boards. And I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he, if he snuck his way into the first round. Um, I just think it's going to take, it's, it's a long draft process and you have these guys that just continue to gain momentum and momentum guys that we weren't even talking about in January that by draft time, they're looked at as first round picks. So I think he's someone that, as people do more work and, and they see him, uh, how he performs at the combine, that 
he's going to be a sleeper to go in round one. And then, you know, the running back position is such a wild card for the Ravens right now because we don't think they're bringing back Gus Edwards again based on this deadline passing and them having to take on the, the dead money. You would presume that in a Lamar Jackson contract situation, you wouldn't want to be spending money at running back, although, you know, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reported they could be in the mix. We've heard a bunch of rumors about Derrick Henry, which just seems weird to me that that's where they'd be spending their money. Is there a between-the-tackles back that you particularly like from this group? Because it seems like Keaton Mitchell, if healthy, is definitely going to be their guy in space moving forward. Is there a guy who is it is more of a between-the-tackles or more of a complete back that includes being good between-the-tackles that you feel like, at whatever point during the course of the draft, is a real talent and someone that can make an impact immediately, even if they're not you know, a first- or a second-round guy? Yeah, yeah. So running back is interesting because there really isn't. I mean, there's there's no Jameer Gibbs, there's no B. Right. John. I mean, just looking at our consensus prospect rankings at CBS Sports, our highest ranked running back is 70th, which you know is, that, would put is, it, him is it Blake Horn in the third round? Uh, no, it's actually Bucky Irving out of uh, oh, okay. Oregon, who's yep. who's a smaller guy. But our second ranked running back and the guy I wanted to talk about was Braylon Allen from mm. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And he, he's someone that you would probably get on day two, but I mean, he's 6'2, 245. He averaged five and a quarter yards per carry the past two years. He's going to be, he's only 20 years old, so he's super young. He doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. And he would be someone that could come in and get you tough yards between the tackles and be really that thunder to Keaton Allen's um, or Keaton Mitchell's lightning. Um, if you're looking for someone, on day three, then yeah, I think I think Blake Corn. I mean, he's only five eight two thirteen, but you saw it throughout the season. Like, if you need if you need tough yards, he's going to get them for you. So he would be someone that I think he's going to be great wherever he goes, just because with with some of these running backs, if you know you see how productive they were in, in college, and they're just going to get it done in the NFL, whatever whatever it takes. So I think if they're looking for someone on day three, he would be he would be more that that guy to look at. Whereas I think. Braylon Allen with his upside and his age and just his his makeup that he might be gone day two. He is Kyle Stackpole. Kyle, I know it's at Kyle F. Stackpole on Twitter is how folks can follow you, cbssports.com. And what else can we plug for you, man? Yeah, I mean, just, just going to the website, you know, CBS Sports NFL draft page. We have mock drafts. I mean, at this point, it's like four or five times a week. I swear, no one cranks them out more than more than us throughout the season. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. And then just combine stuff. Have a, we'll have a ton of stories. We'll have, you know, I know obviously the Ravens don't need a QB, but we'll have top landing spots for all the different QBs and, and just all the top prospects in general of where, where they think they might go and, and who shows out at the combine and who maybe has some work to do at their pro day. So it's, an, it's a really exciting time. and. Looking forward to going to Indy and, and seeing these prospects and, and seeing what the Ravens end up doing in a couple months. Enjoy the spicy-as-hell shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's. <laughs> if it's the first time, it will bite you. I promise. It doesn't it seem is on the first time. So oh, dude! Thank you, you for the heads up. I'm telling you, you're gonna you look at it. You're like, it's some shrimp cocktail. What are you? Why, why is everybody? And then you're gonna take a bite. And you're going to be in tears. It's just the way that it's going to go. But everybody's been there. We've all gone through it before. Enjoy it, man. Appreciate you as always. Let's talk again real soon, all right?
All right. Thank you so much, Glenn. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle Stackpole, CBSSports.com, with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. I just can't. The Chris Braswell thing doesn't, like, I keep looking for. Why is he not more thought of in that, you know, Braylon Trice area that would make sense for the Ravens? I'm not just trying to make a local kid the Ravens pick. Love local kids. Want to see him succeed. But I just, no, I, I, I'm struggling with, now if the answer is we think his production was based on the fact that Dallas Turner was on the field with him, okay, hear you. That's a good argument. I'll listen to that. Since the Ravens, Not the entirety yeah. of the argument. And is it? And I wonder if because of OA also makes me just a little bit wary of Chop Robinson but that's, as well. A hundred percent, but yeah. it's not a Penn State thing for me. I hate that. That right, but but me it's, nuts. he is similar to OA. It's just the, like it seems it's like he's the got raw thing, right? Like and, it's and I know that this was Ken Zalis's like he hated the OA pick. He hated it. He's like he didn't have a sack. I'm like right, but like he he had a, an edge rusher. Like he disrupted a lot, yeah. and he had a and he's like yeah, I don't care. I I I need to know. That you can translate the sacks. And look, it's not like Chop Robinson didn't have any. But he only had four. Braswell had eight. And okay. I get it. It's not... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I, I'm not trying to pretend like pure... The late Jalen Ferguson had a thousand. It's not simply just the number of sacks that you have that answers what it's go- what you're going to be as a player. But, yes, the fact that Adafi Owe had so few does make me wonder a little bit more about a guy like Chop Robinson. But I'm intrigued, and the talent is quite real. Everybody knew that. Remember when Maryland landed, uh, it was the time going by Damian. When Maryland landed Damian Robinson, like it was as uh, it was a very big deal. The talent was always overwhelming when it came to Chop Robinson. All right, uh, we're going to switch, and we're going to talk a little bit of baseball next as our friend Gay Blacks from USA Today is going to check in with us as he was in Sarasota recently to see the Orioles. So we'll go head down to Florida, talk some birds right here on GCR. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite. And at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal. Available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. 
Real fresh, real fast, royal funds. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. Hey, do you think you know high school basketball? Go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. Only at countysportszone.com presented by your local Toyota dealer. It is a Thursday edition of GCR. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to let Griffin tell us about the fight from last weekend and what matters and why it was all chalk and that was a good thing for him because he made some money. We'll get into fighting words a little bit later on in today's program. Right now, it's time for us to head down to Florida. Our next guest was in Sarasota checking out the birds. I'm sure he'll have a lot of nights at Camden Yards ahead of himself this summer. He is MLB writer for USA Today. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Gabe Lax, who's with us now here on GCR. Gabe, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always good to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting spring, to say the least. A lot of a lot of moving parts and a lot of camps and still some more to come in. So, uh, you know, it always stays a little fluid out there for sure. You know, in, in the story that you wrote from your, your dispatch in Sarasota, focusing a lot on Jackson Holiday and, and a little bit on Gunnar Henderson, it was interesting to me because, Gabe, I will admit, in, in since the Kyle Bradish injury, before the Bradish injury was public, I was more concerned about the Orioles' bullpen than I think a lot of people around here were. I think the excitement of Corbin Burns was incredible, but I sort of kept saying, hey, look, we can dismiss, and I'm not saying I wouldn't have made the deal. I, of course, would have made it, but D.L. Hall was a live arm in a bullpen that has a lot more questions for a team – that won 49 close games, one two-run or uh, extra inning games a year ago. I wonder if if part of the story for the Orioles really is with Gunnar Henderson taking another step forward and the arrival of Jackson Holiday, we don't think we're going to need to win as many close games. Like We think that the offense might be so much better combined with perhaps some better starting pitching that there's not going to be the need to win quite as many of these close games this season. That's a, that's a good point you raise. It's tricky because you're always going to need a, a reliable bullpen. Uh, you know, maybe maybe not so many one-run games, and, and it's funny that the way that ball bounces every year, you'll always have teams that uh, seemingly win every extra inning in one-run game. Last year, the, the Padres were 0-12 for a while, I think, in extra inning games. Mm. Just absolutely doomed mm. their season. 
so it's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, you know, interesting concept. I think the big thing is, you know, the bullpen volatility is such a big part of the game, guys, and what they're going to do uh, year to year. And uh, the Orioles just need guys to kind of repeat their track record when you're looking at Cano and Cologne at the, you know, kind of the seventh, eighth inning situation. And then Kimbrell, you know, for, for all his uh, sort of playoff travails last year, you know, had another really good year. And, and uh, you know, Brandon Hyde says he's, he's going to start in the, you know, taking the ninth inning and, and then mix and match from there. So, uh, you know, the, the, if uh, Dylan Tate is healthy and effective again, that's certainly a, a pretty good unit, but, but you're right. It is really interesting. Uh, you know, the, the steps forward taken by the younger guys, you know, and, uh, you know, Gunner just had a really good year last year and it was kind of a little bit, you know, we, we move on so quickly from hyped prospects and, uh, <clears throat> I don't think it quite got the attention it deserved in some quarters just because, he had a little bit of a slow start, uh, but, you know, you looked up at the end of the year and, you know, the 27-28 homers, the OPS, everything else was there. Uh, really, really valuable player. And uh, it's uh, – it's you could kind of see it coming because his at-bats were really good when he was struggling. And at that young age, to have such an advanced approach at the plate was really impressive. So, yeah, it's uh, – Again, you can't really write down anything in terms of Jackson Holiday, but again, the reports keep coming in. Wow, he looks really good. He looks really polished and all that. So uh, you're right. It's uh, it is interesting to see just how much better this team can be if their younger players simply just take another step forward. I wonder if we're almost getting out of control with Jackson Holiday, Gabe. And I'm not saying you. I mean, like the Orioles fan base. This is a guy that's played. Sure. He's played 18 games at AAA. He's not legally allowed to drink yet. And yet, <laughs> like, we are looking at Jackson Holiday like he should almost obviously be on the opening day roster and is definitively locked into a spot and is the rookie of the year favorite and should be a, a significant part of the story. Are we, is there danger that we're getting too carried away because of how good? Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson have been that we just believe, well, he's the next one that's going to be that good that quickly? Or from a skill and pedigree standpoint, do we have every right to believe this really is what Jackson Holiday is going to bring very soon to the major league level? Well, I would have been right there with you a month or so ago uh, with like, just, okay, you can't, you can't expect much from a 20-year-old just because who knows the, the volatility is so high. But you look around and nobody's pumping the brakes. Uh, Brandon Hyde isn't pumping the brakes. Mike Elias isn't pumping the brakes. His teammates certainly aren't. They've been, it seems, really unanimously impressed with him so far uh, as they've worked out with him in the offseason and in spring training. So it's uh, it's really interesting. I, I, you know, those, you know, Hyde and Elias are pretty, uh, pretty calculating, pretty careful people, you know, so uh, there really hasn't been that moment of, well, let's just see. You right. know? I mean, it's a, uh, you know, beyond beyond hearing highly specific plans for him because they haven't totally laid that out, but every indication as such is, uh, you know, the, the guy is as impressive as it would appear that he is. So it's, uh, yeah, that kind of, to me, that kind of ramps up the, you know, the anticipation too, because it's like, okay, let's see it. Let's, uh, you know, all, all the, uh, you know, all, I don't want to say hype. It's just the, you know, they're, they're saying what they're seeing. This guy is a really good player. We're really excited to see him. So, yeah, I think for the rest of us, uh, unless you, 
you know, followed him, uh, you know, through uh, Aberdeen and Bowie and, and Norfolk last year, you know, you, you don't really know what you're in for. So I, uh, I, I for one, am very intrigued to see, uh, to see what's going to happen. He is Gabe Lax. He is with USA Today, covers Major League Baseball. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Gabe, is there enough pitching? I, Corbin Burns is tremendous, and I know that part of this is going to come down to whether or not you know, Kyle Bradish can work his way through with the UCL or whether he's going to need Tommy John surgery and will truly miss the season. But, I, man, it's tough for me to plan on the idea of Kyle Bradish being a part of this team this year because it just always seems like every time you're talking about a UCLA or UCLA, UCL, this is where you're headed. Is there enough pitching for the Orioles with the with the idea being to be a World Series type of contending team? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's something that they're going to have to revisit if uh, you know if they are 25 games above 500, and that time of year is coming around. Uh, it's you know it is interesting they kind of use what we'll call the annual 11 million dollar voucher on Kimbrel. Uh, which which does line up the bullpen nicely. I mean, you kind of pick and choose your spots, and then they're able to sort of, you know, burn an additional chip and bring in Burns. So the way it lines up right now, I think uh, I think is really you know really pretty encouraging. But you're right, they're going to need a sixth or seventh guy. Uh, you know, you're going to have to maybe keep an eye on on Povich and, and McDermott down uh, you know down on the farm. Uh, you know, they they've taken some really big steps in this Orioles pitching program. So. You know, it's it all. You always need more than five, and right now they have pretty much just five. And yeah, you know, again, I think we tend to forget a little bit how good Tyler Wells was last year. You know, kind of flirting with an all-star spot. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's uh, again how how they use him, how he uh, how he holds up over the course of time is uh, is going to be kind of one of the big. Uh, I, I think one of the big things this year too, just to get that. Uh, get that third guy in there, you know, with, you know, Kramer obviously can give them innings and can give them a chance to win. When you talk about, you know, if the offense is that good, maybe we don't need the bullpen, you know, like maybe that what that means is that they win a bunch of Dean Kramer games, which is he goes five to six, gives right. up two, three, four runs, and they, they end up winning, you know, cause it's a, you know, eight, eight, you know, eight to four kind of game, what have you. So, uh, but if, if Wells can take that step and maintain, and uh, kind of give them that really good one, two, three with Burns, Rodriguez, and and you know, and and perhaps Wells. That's I think that's enough to, you know, I mean, I, I theoretically yes, win the division, but the division is so good, you know, it's uh, it is an absolute snake pit. So it's uh, there's little guarantees, but I, th- I think they're aligned about as well as anybody could be at this point. To your point, like I don't think the Yankees are going to be as bad as they were a year ago. I'm I'm not sure about the Red Sox and how much they'll bounce back, but like the you know the, the Orioles got lucky that the Rays had so many pitching injuries a year ago. I I don't think that it's going to be not to say it was easy last year. I just don't think it'll be quite as easy as what it was a season ago. I I I come back to something. Though, Gabe, I once you make the move for Burns, you're acknowledging that this year has to matter, right? Because the likely, the overwhelming sure. likelihood is Burns is only here for this year. I'm a little surprised that they haven't followed that up with any more moves. It, it seems incongruent to me, right? Like you're acknowledging to some extent it's about this year, when you make the move for Burns, 
but then you lose Bradish potentially, and and there's no there's no follow up move to that to say, hey, and we're also going to try to fortify it by adding, you know, even a a, a Lorenzen, somebody like that, and I guess they could still do it. Is it as incongruent as it feels for you to sort of say, hey, this is the year? but yet you're not really going all in for this year. It's just kind of this one move that you're making that's about this year. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to say incongruent just because, uh, you know, you, you look at the, at the way Michael Elias, uh, you know, values his prospects, and so far he hasn't really been wrong. You know, these guys are pretty good. So I think, you know, and let's just assume there was sort of a staring contest that, that the Brewers probably would want you know, a Mayo level guy, uh, you know, and, and he was able to, to, to like kind of hold the line on, on Joey Ortiz and obviously DL Hall really useful, uh, looks to be, you know, really useful part for a full season. That That's a, definitely a tough guy to give up. So, so they, you know, they did, they did reach into that. And then when you look, you look at the market, you look what's out there. Okay. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to swim in the, in the Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery waters right. probably, that might might be a good thing, you know. I mean, it's again a really weird off season for free agency. So yeah, I would not I would not uh, you know necessarily dismiss a uh, you know a Michael Lorenzen type move, you know, because that would make a lot of sense. He he's actually a really useful guy. He can start, he can relieve, uh, you know, just kind of I don't want to say insurance, but you need innings to come from somewhere, and he's a guy that could provide them. So it's interesting you mentioned him, but. Uh, yeah, I I would not be surprised if they uh, if there is one more guy like that up their sleeve. If not, then you know you're definitely looking to look into July and uh, August, which is right. a lot tougher. But at the same time, you also know what you need at that point. You know, if uh, if Tyler Wells is on his way to winning a Cy Young Award, <laughs> you know maybe that's a you know maybe that that creates the, the you have another another need then. So it's uh, it's really tricky. But yeah, I. I I'm kind of with you. I, I, I think they, they would like to see one more arm in there, uh, starter, reliever, swing guy, whatever the case might be. But I feel they're about as all in as they can be relative to the fact that, uh, you know, they've got some really good prospects and they don't necessarily want to, uh, you know, want to burn it on a, uh, you know, and if, and, you know, again, Dylan Cease, not right. the greatest numbers last year. We're just, a, you know, so it's a, it's a tricky spot. I think they've played it about as well as they could. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's certainly interesting. But I, I, do, I do agree with you. Like, there's got to be a little something more in the tank. Maybe we won't see it till the very end of spring. Maybe we won't see it till July and August. Well, and I acknowledge too, Gabe, that obviously, like part of this is the the strange nature of the ownership change at the same time, right? Like that that I we we yet don't fully know exactly what David Rubenstein and his group's investment level is going to want to be in spending this type of money. Because I'm with you, like I don't think that they're going to be swimming in the the Blake Snow or the Jordan Montgomery waters. But is it possible that if the ownership change was approved next week? David Rubenstein would say, well, I'm in my 70s. I don't want to sit around and wait. Let's go. Like, let's, you know, like, let's, let's spend the money and, let, and let's do it. I just, I, I, we, we can't know those answers until this does get approved, which we think is going to come quickly. And then it'll be interesting to see how quickly there's, there's sort of a shift in culture. And that, that's what was so interesting about the Burns trade, kind of the, the lightning strike of, I guess, whatever it was, a 72-hour period. Right. Rubenstein you know, is on the scene and then they've got Corbin Burns and, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that those were, 
you know, those were separate tracks, but it was kind of fascinating to ponder. I, you know, I get the sense, you know, uh, it's, you know, his pockets are certainly deep enough, but, uh, you know, the, the market realities are still kind of there. It'll be really interesting if he suddenly goes, uh, you know, uh, Peter Seidler, the, uh, right. <laughs> the late, uh, late great Padre owner yep. and, and kind of, you know, does some, does some crazy things relative to what you, you expect from the Orioles. And, you know, a lot of those things can be done. Everybody has done something. The Royals just gave, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. $188 million. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> there's no, nothing most teams can't do. You know, it's, uh, it's always a matter of choice and all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, revenues can vary. But, uh, no, it'll be really interesting. But, again, you're, you're, you're buying a team. There's usually an assessment period. And, uh, you know, for, for, what, for what Mike Elias has built, you know, I, you know, let's just, you know, let's just say this is a nice little piece of artwork that uh, Michael Elias has built and you're David Rubenstein, you're coming in, you know, you don't want to start finger painting with uh, you know, $200 million with, with Blake Snell. So it's, uh, I, whatever the case might be. So, and yeah. whatever you do, you want it like the, the system's working. You don't want to mess with that system. Just fortifying it, I think, would go a long way for uh, the Baltimore Orioles. And if uh, that money Absolutely bring a, if you bring a Bobby Witt, if that money could go to a Gunnar Henderson, that would be, I think, good for all parties involved. Um, uh, Gabe, uh, what's uh, what's coming up next for you? What are we going to be seeing from you at USA Today? Yeah, it's a good question. I kind of got a few a uh, few trend sort of pieces going on regarding starting pitching and the difficulty of the playoffs and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, we got some got some good stuff gathered up down there in Florida, and uh, well, games are starting. We'll uh, we'll kind of see you know see where it leads us from there. So February uh, March twenty eighth, whatever it is, we'll be here you know really soon. <laughs> so, uh, not looking not forward to it for not sure. soon enough, but I get it. At uh, Gabe Lax, that's uh, L A C Q U E S Lax at Gabe Lax on Twitter is how you can give him a follow. Gabe, always appreciate it, man. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, and let's do this again soon. All right. You got it, Glenn. Thank you so much, man. Gabe Lax with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. I I, I have spent a lot of time on um, that that word incongruent this week and I do want to be fair about it like I understand that that the element of it with the ownership change is a major factor in the conversation and there's a significant difference between hey can we add 15 million dollars to the payroll this year versus can we make a sizable splash But you did do the thing. I I keep coming back to that. You did it. So it's weird. It's weird. Whatever you know, Gabe doesn't like incongruent. I, 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 to me, that's the that's the the safe word to use. It's that it's not bizarre. It's not outlandish. It's just a little kind of interesting. It's a little. Let me see what the actual definition of incongruent is. Incongruent. I mean, it, it, like, are Affecting we being the greedy? compliment? Oh, this is a scientific uh. definition of incongruent. It's way over my head. Oh man, not oh. my, not my word. Are we being greedy though? Because we still feel like, as the way they're constructed now, they're like a, they're a top five team in baseball, and you know, just, just, and it's because it's the not, Dodgers it's, are out it's, there. It's not greediness. And it's, the Braves again. I love the Corbin Burns thing. If I said early in the week, if they acquired Dylan Cease, this would be a different conversation. Corbin Burns is here for one year. It's not greedy. It's sort of mixed signal. This year, 
has to really matter. He's here for one year. But doesn't really matter because the window goes beyond this year. No one needs to announce this is the one year we think we have a shot and then it's over. But you acquired a rental. You did that. Now you acquired a rental at the deadline and Jack Flaherty last year. You, like, It's not saying you, you acquired Kyle Gibson was a rental when you signed him a year ago. It's not saying, you, and by the way, of this group, Corbin Burns way better than the other two. But you paid a heavier price for that. We think. I mean, we'll find out about the pieces that they paid for Jack Flaherty, which also to me were valuable. You like, know, like yeah. we're not throwaway pieces. Like I thought they were they were talent. But, you know, obviously Joey Ortiz and DL Hall, I think everybody agrees, are both major league baseball players. You gave up two helpful major league baseball players to get someone for one year. It's not all in. It's not trading away, you know, Kobe Mayo for a one-year rental, like a a truly, although D.L. Hall was sort of thought of that way once upon a time. I know that's changed in recent years, but remember, there was a time where D.L. Hall was truly a top, top prospect. Um, You're paying a sizable price for one year. So to some extent, you're saying it's about this year. But it's the only way in which you're saying it's about this year. And that's okay. Like, you can do that. But you have to acknowledge it's a little odd. Particularly when fortification doesn't necessarily require making the Samuel Basayo Jesus Lazardo trade. You you could find other ways to fortify. And to the point, maybe David Rubenstein and his group are sitting back and saying, dude, if we were approved tomorrow, we'd be in favor of signing Jordan Montgomery. Like maybe that's the way that they feel. And it's just until they get approved, you can't really swim in those waters. You would think that like the left hand could talk to the right hand, I, you know. I, but there might be something to be said for that. It, it, it's just an odd feeling. It's all. It doesn't mean that I'm. I think the Orioles are bad. It's just weird. And. Seeing anything else would feel like more of a, hey, we get it. We want to strike while we've got Corbin Burns. We want to really go for it. Anything else, particularly pitching-wise, because I don't... We talked about the Cody Bellinger thing, you know, but particularly pitching-wise, it feels like any other addition would be a statement of acknowledgement, hey, this year has to matter. Because this is the year that we have in Corbin Burns. And as I said yesterday, in their mind, it might be really Corbin Burns is just here to replace Kyle Bradish for this year. We know our window is beyond that, and so we're not all that worried about this year. But then I come back to, then why did you have to make the Burns trade? Like I, 
I just feel like once you do that, this year's got to matter a little bit more than just the one move that you made. Like, there's got to be a little bit more fortification that goes into, we're not going all in for this year. We're not slamming. All in would be, we'll trade beside anybody who can't help at the big league level this year. They're no longer a concern for us. We will trade any of that group. I guess I just kind of disagree then. Like, why? Be- because, the, like, unless you are the Yankees or the Dodgers and you're going to be spending $500 million I, every year, how, how do you go all in in Major I didn't League say, Baseball? I just said you don't have to go all in. Literally, that's the words that I use. Nobody's saying you have to go all in. That's the point. But you you have to acknowledge there was a move made for one year and give some fortification. You're saying for them to go all in, you want them to no, move, I'm saying move beside. No, that's what all in would look like. I'm specifically saying you got to listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying they need to go all in. That would be crazy. But anything to back up this one year, anything to fortify. This one-year mattering. Corbin Burns is here for one year. In that way, this one year matters. Anything else you do, even Michael Lorenzen, is an acknowledgement of, hey, this year has to matter. So... We got to make that work. So, anything, starter, reliever, anything that you do to acknowledge it goes a long way to making this one year matter. But again, I get it. It's not just, it's, it's, you're trying to do both things. You're both trying to make this year matter and open up a window. There's, you're walking two roads. The best way to do it? I don't have that answer. But anything to say, hey, we made this move. We made this year matter, elevated it over other years by acquiring Corbin Burns. Now how do we back that up and show that we're really going to try to make this year matter? I'm just looking for anything, anything that follows that up. That it's not just when we made, we got Corbin Burns. Okay. And and now can you win a World Series? I'm squinting on that one. Uh, sorry to change the subject. Do you, would you like to talk to uh, uh, Derek Queen's high school basketball coach right now? Sure. Okay. Sure. We can do that. Coach Kevin Boyle. All right. Great. We're into our uh, number two. Of the program here on GCR. All right, thanks, Coach Boyle. I'm putting you up the Glen. Today's show is brought to you by. Ooh, this one's brought to you by the Green Turtle. Griffin, what's going on at the Green Turtle today? Over at the Green Turtle, uh, uh, every Thursday they're offering a free $10 bet at the Green Turtle Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton. So head over there uh, tonight at uh, in Towson or Canton. Jerry Kahn will be in Towson tonight from six to eight uh, for uh, sports betting 101. He'll go over tonight's card as the NBA is back in action. Uh, so that is always the place to be on Thursdays to experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. So go 
Check out those Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Can. Pick up your free bet and enjoy some sports and food tonight. Big news yesterday here in uh, this these parts as five-star, one of the top prospects in the country, Derek Queen from Monteverde Academy down in Florida, but originally from here in Baltimore, committed to play his collegiate basketball at the University of Maryland. Joining us now, Derek Queen's head coach at the Monteverde Academy. He's Coach Kevin Boyle, and he's with us here on GCR Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations on an amazing group of guys that you've got going to big programs moving forward. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and, uh, you know, we're happy to see Derek going back home and, you know, hopefully he can help Maryland basketball, you know, uh, get, get far in the NCAA tournament next year. Coach, did you have a sense that this is what Derek wanted to do all along? Did you always kind of have a sneaking suspicion? I know – He's got a really close relationship with the, his mom, and his mom's been a mainstay at Maryland games. Did you have a funny feeling this was always the way he was going to end up going? Well, I always thought it was, you know, uh, you know, they, it was it was a strong possibility. But Derek uh, kept his cards. He's a good poker player. He kept his cards, you know, close to his chest, and uh, he, 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 you know, a lot of times he would say he was, you know a little confused on uh, this school versus that school, kind of seeing how the schools were going to develop through the year and what was also the best fit for him. And it's so hard today for kids because of the transfer portal with teams literally changing half their roster or more. Sometimes you don't know who you're going to be playing with. And often that's important. Who you're with sometimes helps all of us make, makes us look better when we're with the right pieces. You know, so that's always you know difficult, more difficult than ever for kids in today's recruiting world. Well, you guys couldn't have any more pieces on your team right now. My God, it's all good players. Um, Coach, take me through when 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 Derek arrived. Obviously, after starting his prep career up here at St. Francis, when he arrived with you down there, what exactly did you know about him? Was he already this developed? Were there some more aspects of his game that you knew he was going to need to work on before he got to the college level? Well, I think Derek needed a lot of stuff to work on. One, he had a good feel for the game, a natural feel for the game. Uh, he was, you know, and had a good basketball IQ uh, for a kid his age and his size. Um, but I think more than anything, what Derek recognized and, and, and his mom and, and Mookie, who runs his AAU program, all recognized that he needed to really be challenged uh, from a daily standpoint, from other good players and, and a program that could not play him if he didn't work hard, could not play him if he didn't, you know, reach certain expectations of effort and energy and, you know, and detail and, and stuff he was doing. And that's really what happened to him early. Derek came in, you know, probably 30, 35, 40 pounds overweight. And, you know, he worked. And each year he made good progress. And probably last year, about January, he was still going where he wasn't, you know, getting to the level of intensity that was needed for his age. Uh, as a ju- and we didn't play him much in the game last year in December, and we got upset with one of our few losses in the last several years. And you know, he then kind of had it was a, at, a, at a crossroad of I'm going to leave, or I'm going to start going a lot harder every day and get on the court. And I always told him, it's up to you. You're too good not to play if you compete hard, but you're not going to play unless you compete hard, you know, and he kind of turned the corner at 34 against sunrise the first week of January last year with John Bowl, the big seven for two, three kid. And after that, there was some up and downs, but it's been a nice solid ride. He still needs to get another gear or two 
which I'm confident he'll get. And I think Coach Willard's a good guy for that. I Coach Willard, I think, and Coach Ahard. He was at Seton Hall. I grew up in New Jersey, so I know Coach Willard well, and I know his system well, and I think he'll be a good match for Derek, and I think Derek will be, you know, just terrific. He's, he's the most skilled big kid in high school basketball from a sense of being able to handle, pass, you know, and, he, and he's got a terrific, terrific basketball IQ. He really understands the game. And I think, we, you know, with the college nutrition and another year of maturity and another year the motor goes to a next level, I think you're going to have a terrific, terrific player next year that's going to really help Maryland uh, in, in the conference and, and I think it will help him advance in the NCAA tournament. Kevin Boyle is with us. He's the head coach at Monteverde Academy where he's got Derek Queen, who's now headed to play at the University of Maryland. Coach, I think in this era of basketball, whenever somebody's 6'10", we almost like assume that they're a guard any longer. It's just sort of the way that the sport seems to work. Um, but as far as Derek's game is concerned, more of a traditional like post player, correct? Yes. Well, Derek's a little bit of a combo. He's definitely his offense and his most of his scoring is done within a five-foot radius in the rim because he has, one, he has tremendous hands. If it touches his hands, it's his ball. Secondly, he's got a real good feel for post moves and being deceptive. And, uh, you know, so he's, he's, he's probably shooting 75%. And, you know, again, it's not college basketball, but the level we're playing probably is a level of, you know, uh, I don't know, a Mac level college basketball. Sure. You know, St. Peter of, a, of those type of teams with probably better prospects, but just because they're younger, that's probably the level you're playing at right now. And he's dominating, shooting 75% mostly around the basket. Now, he's going to have to expand that a little bit when you have guys with bigger bodies and, and hitting you harder and earlier uh, to, you know, from five feet to eight, nine, ten feet. But he's going to be just like Malik Renew, who's a player at Indiana that's having great success. You know, he was a great uh, guy with feet, uh, moves up and under. Derek has that without question as good as anybody in high school. But Derek has more than that because Derek reminds me, if Derek was from Serbia right now, people would be raving about him like he's another Joseph of how he plays. You know, that he can play in the post. He's got great moves. Not quite the shooter that he is, obviously. But his passing is on the same level. He's a a unique high-level post passer or post zoom handoff guy to guys. He really knows when to hand it, when to keep it. You know, and he's got unique ability in that way. And I think this summer, you know, he's got a great touch. He's shooting like 80-plus percent from the foul line. It's just he needs to, to reconstruct his jump shot a little bit And if because he, he has a natural nice touch, but he needs to spend like four or five months. If he gets that to the next level, then you're talking about a, good, a good, real good pro. Uh, you know, you know he's, but he's going to be an he's gonna be an excellent college player. But if he gets that done – if he gets that done, the good thing is he's going to be a good pro. The bad thing is he's going to be one year and gone. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, I think we call that a good problem to have, Coach. I think that's something you worry about that then. But to what you said, and it was one of the things that jumped out at me most was the free throw shooting, right? Because like, there's just so many big men that just aren't free throw shooters. And it's interesting for someone who's not a stretch player, um, the commitment at the free throw line, why is he such a good free throw shooter? Well, he's been, you know, he's been shooting a lot of them every day. He's been shooting 100-plus almost every day uh, when we've had the opportunity. And the biggest thing, though, he's had, you know, again, he's terrific in the post. He's got a little bit of a hitch in the shot that kind of, 
you know, just kind of developed, you know, kind of don't even know where it developed because as a sophomore, he really didn't have that. And then, you know, I think sometimes guys try to adjust your shot to bring it up higher. And just like a lot of guards where Steph Curry almost shoots it from his chin, chest, face, right through like one motion. And the old way for everybody was to start in your shooting pocket, your chest, bring it above your head and then shoot it like a Larry Bird. But a lot of guards, when they get older, it screws them up instead of kind of being like D'Angelo Russell or, or Steph Curry where they're coming right from the dribble or right from the chest, right through the shot. And almost those guys almost seem to shoot better because you don't really have to jump much anyway. You can lean off before a guy puts his hand up. And I think Derek just now, you can't really correct that stuff during the season, and he's not with us in the summer. So right now it's a situation, I think, when this year is over, it's like, hey, for the next three months after April, to, to, to just get that kink out. And then you have a guy that could screen and pop and hit 17 footers. Then it's a home. Then the game's over. Because his ability, you know, it's, again, he's a unique guy. And he's also has great, he's charismatic. He's a guy that is great on a talk show. If you get him on, so, he's funny. He knows, how to, he knows how to engage people. He's liked by all his teammates. Yet he's a guy that knows how to bust your chops a little bit and get under your skin in a playful way. You know, so he's just really... I'm going to miss him when he leaves. He's been one of my favorite guys in 35 years, has a personality, not just a player to be around. It's it's almost like you're reading my notes, Coach, because the next question on my list was what kind of person is the University of Maryland getting in Derek Queen? And obviously you're saying a lot. And I, as far as being a leader, like I'm, you've got, again, you've got alphas all over your team. What is Derek like as a leader for your group? Well, I, I think that's something he had to learn had to follow leaders first and learn to play harder from a sophomore year to his junior year. And that's something that he's made a nice increase. Again, he's not all the way there yet, but he's getting there. And he realizes that. And he was mature enough, even when I sat him a lot last year as a junior early in the year, even though he was better than the guy, but he realized I need to play harder and I'm not going anywhere because it's not going to help me to go someplace where I dominate. It's going to catch up with me. You know, so we were just always straight honest with him. Like, if you don't get this part done, it's going to catch up with you. You know, and you got to, you, you're playing hard is automatic. You need to do that. And, you know, he played harder and harder. And again, I'm still, not, you know, being honest, he still has to grow there to be an elite college player. And he's, but he's made great progress. And to me, it's like, I'm not going to take you from a 50 to 100 as a student. I would take you from a 50 to a 65, a 65 to a 75, 75 to an 82. And he's up there in the 80s now. And now he's got to get to the 90s and be close to that 100 if he wants to be a pro. You know, so he's made and he's gotten more and more mature. And even now, if we're talking about he's starting to show some leadership now, getting on other guys and drills are not working hard. <laughs> so it's like, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like or, or trying to cheat a line in, in, a, in a running drill, you know, or cheat out in a passing drill. And he's starting to, you know, it's, 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 it's refreshing to see the growth he's made. And yet the maturity that he recognizes that he still has a, you know, X percent to go to get where he really wants to be. So who's going to be next, Coach? You get you got us Bruno a couple years ago. Now it's Derek Queen. Who's who's next? Who are you sending to us next? Now that we're creating a Montverde to Maryland pipeline. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we don't we don't know who we have next yet. So. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But you know, obviously the conference you guys are in, and you know the fan base you guys have. You know, good basketball fans. I'm sure it's always appealing to kids. Uh, Coach Willard, I know when he has the pieces, he's gonna. You know, he's gonna be good he was you know he was really good at seat hall with a tough place to recruit and limited thing and sometimes you just get that that over the hump and then it gets you going and you're off and running you know what i mean so hopefully we just can help maryland and coach get over the hump and i know 
once he gets it to a certain point, I, I'm confident coach will keep it there where they're really high and they're, you know, can get to that top 10 level and, and stay there. And I think, uh, you know, coach definitely has the ability to do that. Just needs, you know, to be able to get the player. Sometimes it's that first piece. Another one's follow, you know. No doubt. Uh, hopefully this really will be the uh, transformative moment for the University of Maryland. Uh, Coach Kevin Boyle, really appreciate spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Can't wait to get to know Derek as he comes back home here uh, coming next year. Thanks so much for doing this. All right, take care. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Kevin Boyle, head coach at the uh, Montverde Academy down in Florida. Appreciate him spending a few minutes with us to tell us all about uh, Maryland's uh, incoming big Derek Queen. And, um, you know, yeah, as I said earlier, there's, there's an opportunity. There's a chance. It, it 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 also kind of goes both ways, right? Like I think for a lot of people, there <sighs> Diamondstone did prove to be transformative for Mark Turgeon, just in the exact opposite way. And not that I'm saying that Diamondstone's failings were Mark Turgeon's fault. I don't think that's the case. I think, given how Diamondstone so quickly flailed out of the NBA, you recognize that there was a diamond stone problem. But I think for a lot of people, it was a measurement. You, you, you couldn't even do it when you got the top guy. You couldn't even get, you got a top recruit and you couldn't even get anything out of him. There's an element of that too. The opportunity is real. The opportunity for it to be a transformative, wake up other people, make some other kids say, hey, what's going on at Maryland? If, if, if Queen wants to be there, maybe I might want to be there too. Again, the other elements of this, I brought up the NIL part of it, like that type of stuff. Relevant. But there's the opportunity for that. For it to be a... I always think about uh, the late Dwayne Haskins when he originally committed to Maryland was like, I now want to be the Pied Piper. I want to be the guy that goes and tells everyone else to come play at Maryland. And and you wonder, like, there's a lot that you wonder. It's sad, the Dwayne Haskins story, obviously. But, like, you wonder if that had been under Mike Loxley, like, mm-hmm. would he have stayed? Would he have, you know, like, I, there's a lot of questions there. But could he have been that transformative figure? And that's the opportunity that Maryland now has with Derek Queen. Will it prove to be the case? Will it? I don't know. Jalen Smith came to Maryland and ended up being a top 10 draft pick. And you could say it it definitely made an impact in Baltimore, right? Like the Jalen Smith thing... Followed it up. Juju Reese came to Maryland, and we thought John Lamoth. I don't. That's a. There's a story for some time. Like what? What the hell? We thought John Lamoth was a player. Right. What's that? Um. You know, like have there been? Have the inroads of the Turgeon era in Baltimore carried over? I, it's such a. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But there is also the other element of it, which is it's a measurement now that, like, if if they don't have success with Derrick Queen, and, again, it's you hear me talk about it. Like, the most concerning part about this season 
I get on the big picture it's the wins and losses, but really the most important, most concerning part about this year is you got guys that were thought of as legitimate prospects and you have next to nothing to show for it from them. That's the most concerning part about this to me. You could almost live if for whatever reason Deshaun Harris-Smith was playing well, Jamie Kaiser was playing well, and similar stories. They were just losing games late and things just weren't working out and they had a bad record. You could still look at it and say, well, but you're going to get Harris-Smith and Kaiser back next year. That part's concerning. And you'll be measured by that. Like the success of Derek Queen specifically and the success the team has with this type of prospect now. And there's only one of him. It's not a loaded class. It's not three five-star prospects they're bringing in. It's one. And it's a big. It's not a a guard that's going to control the game and, and score 20 points a night from the perimeter. So we'll see. All right, we'll grab a break here. We're still going to do fighting words today, other things I want to get into. Say um Thursday edition of GCR. If you missed Stan Fan, Luke Jackson, catching up with Liam Bowen, you, Bowen, yeah. Liam Bowen, UMBC baseball coach earlier this week. Find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Next up, Stan Today and Eric Garfield will get together at 5 o'clock to talk. Um, Eric's down there in Sarasota, so he will be providing some observations from what he's seen at the start of uh, spring training for the Baltimore Orioles. It is a Thursday edition of GCR. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com guilford hall brewery european tradition baltimore charm make the most out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today there's so much focus on sports betting these days but i want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat the Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special 
specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steamed crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR. So I just saw this story. Um, we were talking on the radio show about the return of the college football game last week. And The Athletic has some follow-up information today that uh, college, all college football players starting today can opt in to NCAA football, or no, it's College Football 25 is the name of the game. The EA Sports, as they bring back the college football brand. They can all choose to opt in. If they do, they'll receive $600 and a copy of the game. That's their payment. And, by the way, that's think about that, right? Because there's, what, 127 Division One or FBS teams that we're talking about? Yeah. I presume that means, I don't, I don't know if they're going as far as letting FCS players. It used to be, I feel like, in the college football game that you could play as an FCS team. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe maybe it was just the, the, the FBS programs. But that's $600 times... There's 100 players. They said, what did they say, 85? At least 85 on the initial rosters. Like, the games of initial release will be 85 players on okay. per team, I think. Okay, so like do that math. One hundred twenty-seven times eighty-five, five three three. This is compelling. Me doing math. <laughs> he said, this is why you. This is why you tune in. So fifty-one thousand per team, give or take. Eighty-five times six hundred. Hang on a second. Hang hey, on a second. Do you want me to not use a calculator? Or you want to? Sure. You got a calculator? Yeah. <laughs> Multiply one twenty-seven by eighty-five. Uh, oh, I was going to... Well, I have 51,000, so I was just going to multiply that by 127. Uh, $6 uh, I mean, like, That's a lot of money to pay out. $6.4 million. And apparently... Well, they the, just paid $1 billion for... I, the rights, <laughs> like I hear... It's a lot... Like they're, It's a huge investment for this game. This game better work. I, um, yes, true. So we can snicker at the idea of $600 to an athlete. Well, like one, to do nothing. <laughs> 
Like, to do nothing. It's a free $600. Do you want it or not? What, what, what do I have to do? Zero. Nothing. Just click a button, and you've got $600 in a video game. Okay. Like, seems like it's worth doing. Now, it's a bit hilarious. The idea of a third string or a special teamer at Ball State receiving the same payout as Caleb Williams, right? Like, well, it wouldn't be Caleb Williams. He's not in the game. He's gone. But that, that was the first, you know. What? I mean, the star yeah, the of Quinn the Quinn Ewers, yes. the, you know, uh, Carson Beck. Who's the new quarterback at Ohio State? Will Howard, right, yeah. is the new guy. Like the, the Jalen Milrow, right, at Alabama. Those guys get the exact same payout as, you know, my buddy A.J. Francis would have gotten when he was playing football at Maryland. Now, he had turned out to be a hell of a player, obviously, when it was a league for a long time. So he's the wrong example. The backup left guard at Eastern Michigan will get the same payout as Jalen Milrow. That seems weird, but the story goes on to say that other players will be uh, some players will be asked to be ambassadors mm-hmm. for EA Sports and will receive even more um, compensation NIL wise, which you know makes makes sense that they would say, hey, we are going to ask these guys to do a little bit more, either to make sure that they get on board or just simply because there's value in having them talk up the game. Add to the third element of it, so uh, service academy athletes can't. Or apparently can't get NIL money, and yet the this is the story from the athletic. They are expected to be a part of the game. That it's I I don't know how that works. I haven't been able to read the story yet. They haven't gotten any. They don't get any NIL money. Uh, here's is here's how it reads. Okay. Sorry. I want to make sure I I read this the correct way. Come on, come on. Of course, now it won't open. <laughs> it was fun. We we tried. We did our best, and it it just didn't work. Who out are you it. most excited Here we to go. play as? Here we go. I, no, I don't. I'm never gonna play the game. This is not not going what? to happen. I thought you were a big video game guy. I was when I was a kid. No. Still? No, I'm an adult. The boys? Uh, they're not there yet, but some point soon. Uh, while Air Force, Army, and Navy players are generally not allowed to accept NIL payments. They are expected to be in EA Sports College Football 25. That's from Chris Vanini of The Athletic. So I don't know all the details on that. But $600 and a copy of the game, and there's some app that you can go to that allows you to opt in. It's 134 FBS teams that will all be in the game. So I guess that means the FCS teams will not. Even if, <clears throat> for example, like a FBS team this year has an FCS team on their schedule, I guess that means that you can't play that game. You have to make your own schedule in EA Sports because yeah. I presume that you can't, like if you know Maryland's playing Towson or something like that, you can't play against Towson or Chattanooga or whatever it is. In and the I'm game. sure there'll be people, though, that like will create teams or something. And, yeah, I don't and know. I don't know all that. That's, it's, yeah. that's, that's for the nerds. Create that's, players. That's and not, not for me, but there you go. Those are the word yeah. on the return of the game. Today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. What's uh, going on at Live Casino and Hotel? Uh, always the place to be at Sports and Social at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, featuring uh, their on-site FanDuel location and is the ultimate spot to watch your favorite sports. 
in, in their biggest games on a massive 100-foot media wall. Of course, NBA is back tonight, so so stop by Sports & Social. Order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from the signature crushes, and extensive beer selections all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports & Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Uh, please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's do the thing. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. Right? It's the preparation that I think stands out most. Yes. It's Fighting Words with Griffin Bats. Fighting Words brought to you by the new print issue of Pressbox, which is available everywhere that you find Pressbox around town, including your neighborhood Royal Farm store and over 600 locations in general. There it is. You see it. The Promise of Spring on the cover. Mullins, Santander, Adley, and Gunner dive into the 2024 Orioles. Also, a lot of college lacrosse content in this issue. Go pick it up right now, today, your neighborhood Royal Farms, or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com, the new print issue of PressBox. All right, so UFC 298 was on Saturday, and Ilya Taporia took down Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, that'll be our first order of business. And just, uh, um, yeah, I mean, to Ilya Taporia... Apparently the real deal, and uh, just kind of crazy how over the last uh, like you know year year and a half we've just kind of seen that current guard, well I guess now old guard of like UFC long time long standing UFC champions just kind of fall, starting with Kamaru Usman and then Israel Ad- Israel Adesanya and now Alexander Volkanovsky, all these guys who had you know years of title defenses uh, uh, falling, and uh, so so interesting and interesting for the UFC to see how it will uh, you know to see how the next I guess year calendar year will will play out uh for for all those uh all those big divisions um i think this is the best news probably for max holloway because um you know he just could not beat alexander volkanovsky but fought him oh, okay. felt like they could fight a so, hundred times and he was just not you think he's got a chance now i do i do think so i mean i think max holloway's got a chance against anyone apparently except for uh, alexander volkanovsky he, did, he is fighting on ufc 300 against justin gagey so we'll i guess we'll have to okay. see how that goes that's it that's gonna be a lightweight though so um, he can always just drop back down to 145, and I'm sure uh, they will welcome him against whoever he would like. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Volkanovski gets an immediate, immediate rematch. I mean, obviously, the number of title defenses he had, uh, th- there's definitely a, a strong case for it. Um, but, you know, just the way that, like, it's not like it was anything controversial. He he knocked, uh, Ilya Taporia knocked him out in the second round, So it was, and he won the first round as well, so... Um, you know, just, 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 uh, it was, it was a very, very good card. Uh, I thought up and down Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa was the co-main. Um, that was a great back and forth fight. Paulo Costa dropped, uh, Robert Whitaker at one point and Whitaker came back to win a decision. Um, Ian Machado Gary, uh, stays undefeated winning a decision over Jeff Neal. And then, uh, I guess probably the bigger story would be Marab, uh, beating Henry Cejudo. And it's just... At 135 bantamweight, it seems like he is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you beat Marab Divalishvili because he is just such a high motor, um, and he continues to somehow elevate his game. Just the way he is able to keep Henry Cejudo, who for a while was the was the greatest bantamweight we thought, um, and just keep using leg kicks, was able to jab and keep Cejudo away, and just constantly push for for takedown. So. Uh, Sean O'Malley is fighting uh, Cheeto Vera next month, yeah, in March, um, which is kind of uh, almost disappointing because you want you, you, Marab, no doubt, deserves the next uh, bantamweight title shot. Um, so 
it and uh, I like it would it would be very interesting how be, because Marab trains with Aljo Aljamain Sterling and we thought or I thought you know Aljamain Sterling would be able to wrestle Sean O'Malley just because Sean O'Malley does not have much of a wrestling game and O'Malley was able to keep it on the feet for long enough until he finally caught Aljo so be interesting to see if he'd be able to do that to Marab he's gonna have to get through Cheeto first uh, and uh, I'm excited for that one Cheeto beat Sean O'Malley Sean O'Malley's only loss that's why. They made they made this fight uh, when they did because Cheeto has uh, has a win over Sean O'Malley. A little contra- not really controversial. He 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 beat him with leg kicks essentially, where he he where Sean threw a kick at Cheeto and like it was a nerve in his foot or something, and then he couldn't stand anymore. And then that was just the the way the fight ended. It was a TKO essentially. Okay. You know you're not you're not into that. I, Why not into that? So I this don't know what just happened. We went from talking about the the fight on Saturday night to suddenly going uh, deep into Sean O'Malley. It was a very strange. Well, yeah, I was talking like, about Marab. And I understand. It was just a very. Like, I, 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 I wanted to see Marab Sean, Sean O'Malley next, but it is we're, we're getting Cheeto Vera, which isn't 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 bad. This weekend. Yeah, nobody um, cares about this weekend. No one cares about this. No, weekend? The story is that they set the card for three hundred. Like that's the story. Is it? Yes, it is. I mean, that's it's going to be a good fight. Jamal Hill and uh, so Alex it, Pajera. It's, it's a best of what's around type of card. It's it's um, right. We we couldn't give the best, so we're doing the best of what we could do. And there's enough names on the card that. It feels like a super card, even though it's very much not a super card. Yeah, um, like because, like I was gonna watch anyway. That's why it doesn't mean a whole lot to me because I was gonna watch anyway. It doesn't change a whole lot the fact that they're making it a light heavyweight uh, championship. Uh, Alex Pajera and Jamal Hill. Um, Jamal Hill was the light heavyweight champion. He got injured, so that allowed Pajera to step in. So. So kind of his uh his shot back at the belt, um but yeah so I mean because now it's Zhang Wali and Yan Zhao Nan for the women's uh, strawweight I believe yes the women's strawweight title and those are the two title fights that, that's as a well cha- as that's a championship fight but not one that Justin know. Gagey and Max Holloway yeah that's BMF. that's again no, Lord that's not a thing um but again the fight alone the names you're like okay well I know those names and that's that's kind of what this card is yes is a bunch of like oh like every I'm... single fight could headline a fight night basically yeah okay sure um charles Oliveira is uh is is fighting he's fighting armin sarukian he's an underdog right now wow that's that's crazy mm. um charles Oliveira, an underdog at the moment against armin sarukian who i don't know when the last time Armin Sarukian lost. Uh, I mean, but like these, uh, like lightweight is so deep. Like there's, you could you could argue any any guy any given moment. Yeah, he knocked out Benil Dariush. That was. Um. So you could argue any any guy at lightweight uh, is it could 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 fight for uh, could fight for the uh, the championship. Yuri Prohaska is on the prelims. That he's on the free, featured prelims. Aljamain well, Sterling. Yeah, Aljamain Sterling is is in the prelims. Bo Nichols on the prelims. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Andrade is on the is on the prelims. Davison Figueredo. Uh, Holly Holm. Kayla Harrison is on the early prelims. At the moment, I I wouldn't say that the order is set right now, right. but they are currently on the early prelims, which is which is crazy. Sadiq Youssef, who trains, yep, he's right from here Nigeria. locally. Yeah, yep. he trains in uh, PG. Uh, oh, he's fighting Diego Lopez. That's a good one. And then Jim Miller, of course, he will. It's got to be fifty. Um, how old is Jim Miller? He's he, got- so he's fought on UFC 100, 200, and now uh, slated to fight on UFC three hundred. So he's forty. He is forty. Yeah. Going against Bobby Green. That's. Um. Look, it, it again. They did the best of what they could do. There's. There's not. There's not one like this is what this fight is. Why yeah. this card is a big deal it, that doesn't exist. Um, in that way, they will struggle to get 
the mainstream attention that they would like from a UFC 300. They're trying to go quantity over quality in that way, right? Like, yeah. just throw a lot out and, like, hope that there are enough people that are interested in any of these particular fighters that will get them to watch. I I will tell you it won't work for me. Because you like, look at 200 and they had Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez and then Daniel Cormier and Anderson Silva. But was that originally the... I think uh, I think they were trying to get Cormier John Jones, right? I think that was what happened there. Um, and then they ended up defaulting to Tate Nunez. As, Cormier fought Anderson Silva. Right. At light Which was still Cormier yeah. versus Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. Like, even though we knew at that point that Anderson Silva was done. Right. Like, it was still Cormier versus Anderson Silva. Brock Lesnar fought Mark Hunt. Which wasn't good, but again, had such name brand appeal that it worked for them. Jose Aldo was on the card. These, again, this is... Cain Velasquez. Right. In this way, in the name way, there's enough names that if you care about fighting, you're like, oh, I. the average person has no effing idea what Yuri Proheska is. Right. You've got to be a fight fan. The average person has no clue. None. The average sports fan that isn't into the UFC doesn't know what Yuri Proheska is. But if you are at least a casual-ish fight fan, there's a ton of names on this card. And that might be enough for you to say, for there to be a bigger draw than the average UFC fight. But will it get marquee mainstream attention? Right, right. It seems unlikely. And and, and I guess in that sense, they kind of... But that's kind of where the UFC is at this point. Right. And it kind of goes into, you know, all these guys, Izzy losing and and Usman losing and now Volk losing. It's a a little bit that... Have to start finding their new stars. Well, there's there's the secondary... Conor McGregor doesn't fight anymore. John Jones got hurt. Is he going to be at WrestleMania? Uh, maybe. Maybe that's where he's fighting Michael When's Chandler. WrestleMania? Uh, early April. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think Con- – I, I, I just – it may be, like, years from now if Conor fights in the UFC again. And it'll be, uh-huh. like, you know, it's it's going to be, like, Brock Lesnar but, but, almost. But there's, there's multiple elements to it. I, we've talked about this a million times. Dana White, the UFC, went out of their way to play to the niche, the niche. They went out of their way to Joe Rogan and Nelk and like these types of that have large audiences, but a very specific audience. And just being on UFC isn't or on ESPN, I mean, isn't enough. Like you you haven't made the average ESPN viewer care about the totality of the product. Enough to say, there's a UFC fight, I'm going to watch it no matter what. That hasn't translated. And they can have Stephen A. Smith show up for the fights. It's not going to change it. It's just not. There's a dirt unspoken part of this that the UFC has never dealt with, is that the UFC's had a very difficult time translating with black America. And they've never dealt with it. They've just said, well, we've got white America. But they haven't. They've had a part of white America. They've it's it's it just hasn't part of that is because black culture boxing matters so significantly that any significant boxing fight is always going to be what matters and if we're going to pay $80 to watch a pay-per-view it's going to be Terrence Crawford it ain't going to be a UFC fight they've never made inroads and their marketing strategy and where the the audience they've played to has done nothing to try to repair that 
the average person, like that's on them. You can't go to Joe Rogan to get to the average. You see Joe Rogan's got this huge audience, right? But it's not mainstream. It's a huge audience of the same kind of type of person. You're, 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 they are not finding a larger audience to make mainstream stars. And they might say, that's fine. We've got our market share. That's what we wanted. It's all good. Maybe they think aligning with WWE is going to help with that. Like that thing that they did this week with Conor McGregor showing up in Raw. Like, hey, we we do need to find something more mainstream. So believe it or not, we think that the WWE is more mainstream. And today I would argue it is. WWE is more family-oriented and you know, has a, probably a bigger cultural de- spread than the UFC does at the moment. And can easily generate, like, social media clips. Yeah, and, things and, along and those lines. definitely more fit for that. Like, so, that, yeah. that might be, but yeah. when you have, when you're, Dana White's like, well, I want to be the freedom guy, and I want to, the free, the, the Elon the nonsense, and letting your fighters spout off about their abhorrent extremist views and doing nothing about it, this is what you're going to get. Like, I, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to be stuck with a niche niche audience because they're the average person is going to say, that's what the UFC is? I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it. And again, I, I say all that to say, they might internally say, that's fine. This is what it is. We're going to have fight fans. We're going to have a certain type that we've got enough of a chunk of that audience that it's all good if we don't grow up. But you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And this, like this sort of eh response to UFC 300, I'm not going to tell you it's trash. It's not. Like there's a lot of good fighters and on that it's card. It's going to be a quality card. Yeah, if, you're a, like, if you're a fight fan, you'll probably enjoy UFC 300. But on the mainstream, they announced their biggest card in years, and it was a fart noise. Mainstream. Mainstream, it was cool. UFC 300's coming up. Jim Miller might be the biggest name. I mean, like, like I, it, it just was largely unnoticed in mainstream sports this week that they announced their biggest card. It did. It felt weird that they announced they announced it five minutes after the uh, the after the t- Taporia Volkanovski. Well, you would think that they would have done it. Leading like, into yeah, the fight. Exactly. Like you would have like thought maybe that they like would have leading right into the pay per view or something. Or right before like, the main event, they yeah. run a promo for UFC three hundred. Like right. the, you would have thought they would have done it that way. But it it speaks to where they are. Like that this is and again, that's their doing. They've chosen this path forward. And I can say, Well, this is what you get out of it, and they might very well turn around and say, and that's what we want. We've got we have a huge we have enough of a market share that we're all good here. It doesn't matter if this is we've limited our ability for growth. I mean, I I talk about this sometimes with other events, like where you say, "Hey, there's not anybody going to those games," and you're they're like, "Yeah, we don't care. We've got the people that we want. We want the money people. We don't really want the great unwashed." The UFC is almost like the exact opposite, right? Like, we've got the great unwashed. What else do we need? Right? Like, what 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 else what can more? we what else can we possibly want? We've got the we got the people that we want. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't know. But that, it was it was weird because yeah, in a way all not of no fanfare all like, of the failings 
in trying to build the UFC 300 card, made it like set up for this could be a disaster. And then you see the card and you're like, it's definitely not a disaster. It's 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 loaded, but not with anything that stands out in some sort of way. Nothing that makes a casual person say, well, now I've got to watch UFC 300. It's just a good UFC card. Like it's a yeah. If you're a fan, you're gonna watch, and if you're not, you're probably not gonna watch. That's uh, I would say that's a pretty spot on analysis. What's so. the give me give me something? Uh, PFL versus Bellator is uh, on Saturday. Oh okay. Yeah. Um. They they are making it a pay per view though on ESPN Plus. Is so there that's, anybody that? Uh, I mean, yeah, they got Ryan Bader. Um, uh, Patricio Pitbull is fighting. Yoel sounds, Romero sounds like a Bellator card. It does. Yeah, Ro- Yoel Romero and uh, Tiago Santos are, are okay. fighting. So yeah. I'm excited for that one. How old is Tiago Santos? Um, how old is Tiago Santos? Uh, I mean, how old is Yoel, Yoel Romero? Yeah, they might be combined age of like 80 in that yeah, fight. Yeah, I mean, that seems like two guys. That... <laughs> oh my gosh, Yoel Romero is 46. Yeah. Um, that should still be a fun fight. Okay. Um, I like. Uh, I, I think Ryan Bader loses though. He's fighting Renan Fajeda. Um, at minus one twenty, I think there's some pretty good value. Just because Ryan Bader is so old now, he's fought once since 2022, and that was against a is Fedor fifty yet? Like uh, oh, he God, knocked probably, out Fedor. Yeah, probably. Um, so if Ryan Bader can wrestle, I I, I haven't seen any forty year forty year olds really have the cardio to wrestle a guy for <laughs> tough for twenty five minutes. It's real tough. Um, so I like Renan uh, Fajeda in that one at minus okay. one twenty. Um, and then uh, Mexico, UFC Mexico City as well this weekend. This is everything I said about how much I hate the Apex and the, how what, what the fight nights are becoming. Yeah, this, no, this is the complete opposite. Yeah. I'm very excited for this one because it should be a very live crowd. They have Mexican fighters in, I think, every single fight except for one. Um, so there's going to be a strong, it's going to be a partisan crowd in every single fight, and, uh, and and I'm excited for that. Raul Rosas Jr., the 19-year-old kid, uh, Phenom is fighting. Um and uh, Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez rematch, and it's headlined by Brandon Moreno and uh, and Brandon Royville. Um, just trying to pull up some odds here, so, so tell you what I like. Uh, yeah, Moreno's at minus three ten. Uh, Rosas is at minus two twenty five. Pulling up uh, pulling up your Superbook Sports right now. See what that see what that might not get you plus odds like I gave you last week. But I do. I am confident in both Moreno and uh, and Rosas okay, to, so, to get it done. So tell me what it would do. Uh, it will get you. Yes. Um, and Superbook.com, download the Superbook app. Exactly. Use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. That's Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. So Moreno and who? Moreno and uh, Raul Rosas Jr. is uh, You parlay them together, it is minus 110. Okay, so that's basically even money. Yes. That's not bad. That's uh, not I also bad. like uh, Farah Ziam. He's a Frenchman. Uh, he is fighting Claudio Puelles. Uh, he's at minus 120. If you add that one, plus 170. Well, plus 177. Okay. Parlay there. So I like that, as well as Renan Fajeda over uh, Ryan Bader in the PFL Bellator main events. Very good. Very uh, and good. then one more word of advice. Uh, so the biggest favorite on UFC Mexico City is uh, Yasmin Horeji, and uh, she's minus five seventy-five. I wouldn't bet. I would not add her to any parlays if I were you. Oh. Don't like. She's fighting Sam Hughes. Uh, Sam Hughes isn't really anything all that special, but she has won three of her last four, and she's been an underdog, a substantial underdog in all four of those fights. So she's plus four hundred right now. Um and I you know there's a good chance she she could find a path there but I would not uh, add uh, Yasmin Hariji to uh, any of your parlays if you're planning on just parlaying the card uh, to to death so right. just just my advice there all right very good yes. very good. Yeah.
That's fighting words for the week. Let's uh, let's start to wind things down here in a Thursday edition of the program. Tidbit is brought to you today by Toyota. And, of course, the best place to find all high school sports coverage in the area is CountySportsZone.com. High school scores, schedules, standings across all sports. CountySportsZone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. Do we want to take one more break? Oh, do we owe one more break? We do owe one more break. Well, let's go. I said we're doing tidbits. We'll do tidbit, then we'll take a break. All right. All right. My tidbit is going to be on, um, uh, I was going to bring up uh, an Antonio Gates tidbit since we were talking about Hall of Fame. Okay. uh, NFL Hall of Fame. Were we? When were we talking about that? Like a week week ago? Yeah, Yeah. That's not really. By the way, you did this on Twitter. There is no such thing as an NFL Hall of Fame. That's what I meant, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes, there's not. You said said it on Twitter last week, and it drove me nuts. There is no NFL Hall of Fame. We'll continue to to work on it. Uh, He has the seventh most receiving touchdowns. That thing that we definitely didn't talk about. You know, let's talk about it. Go ahead. Can you name the six guys with more touchdowns? Seven most receiving touchdowns. didn't get into the Hall of Fame first ballot. Of all time. Yeah. Rice. Rice is number one. Moss. Moss is number two. I don't know after that. Like, those are the only two that I know. Um, Good. Gonzalez? Um, Tony Gonzalez is five touchdowns behind Antonio Gates. How about that? Eighth. Um, Terrell Owens? Terrell Owens is number three. Okay. Rice Moss Owens. Also did not get in on the first ballot. Yeah, that's a good, good point. <sighs> they don't like receivers, I guess. Like They don't. They don't like pass catchers. And it's very weird. I mean, they got in. It's not like they didn't get in. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald is sixth, so he is ahead. Caught five more touchdowns than Antonio Gates in his career. Tim Brown. Tim Brown is just, uh, he is right behind Tony Gonzalez. Ninth on the list. (sighs) Isaac Bruce? Uh, not Isaac Bruce. Bruce is, uh, he's a little bit further down, 91 touchdowns in his career. Bum. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Got into the Hall of Fame, though. Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison is on the list. He is fifth, missing number four all-time receiving touchdowns. Four all-time. Four all-time. I don't think it's a tight end. I think Gate that the Gate if it's Gates if Gonzalez isn't ahead of Gates, then Gates is the most from a tight end. Correct. He does have the most as a tight end. So it's gotta be someone modern ish. Mm, yeah. Uh, Tory Holt? Not Tory Holt. A slightly before Tory Holt, I think. Oh, Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Chris Carter is fourth on the list. Ross Ro- Ross. Rice, Moss, Owens, Carter, Harrison, Fitz, and Gates. Okay. Who has the most active uh most active. Julio? Uh, not Julio. That's surprising. Julio's got 66, and he is Julio Jones only has 66 eight. touchdowns? That's yeah. wild, man. Talk about bumps. Right? Um, Mike Evans. Mike Evans is two. He is one behind the leader, the active leader. One behind the active leader. Oh, is it because it's Jimmy Graham? Uh, not Jimmy Graham, but Jimmy Graham will be third. <laughs> He's got 89 touchdowns. God, and it's still active. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins? Not DeAndre Hopkins. Jesus Fourth Christ. on the list. 
Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is okay. number one among active not. players. 95. I was going to go Keenan Allen next. That was going to be the next of my my next guess. Keenan Allen's a little bit low. 59 for Keenan Allen. What? That's. It does seem really low. Seem low for Keenan. Tied Allen. with Odell Beckham. All he's ever done is produce. That seems like a low number. All right, very good. We'll come back in and we'll take a look at what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular wise, Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Discover your next favorite beer crafted in the heart of Charm City. At Guilford Hall Brewery, we believe beer should be flavorful and easy to enjoy. Our meticulously crafted lagers and ales are derived from centuries-old European brewing traditions, a staple for both the seasoned beer aficionado or a novice hophead. Experience beer styles that dare to showcase the exceptionality of simplicity. Visit our restaurant and brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue or view our menu and tap map online at guilfordhall.com. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and on the cover we look at the promise of spring for the Baltimore Orioles as Todd Karpovich and others shine the light on the team's hopes to take the next step towards championship contention and what reinforcements could still be coming. Plus, PressBox personalities offer suggestions to David Rubenstein about stewarding the franchise. Also inside, Bo Smolka on how the Ravens' defense could evolve with new coordinator Zach Orr. And we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's programs across the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. Remind everybody what's going on with the Green Turtle today, Griffin. Green Turtle is offering you a free $10 bet. The Green Turtle Sportsbooks, that is, in Towson and Cannon, a free $10 bet every 
Thursday, and tonight Jeremy Kahn will be in Towson at the Green Turtle Sportsbook uh, doing a betting 101, betting 101 lesson uh, and going over tonight's card as the NBA returns. Obviously a ton of college basketball every Thursday, uh, so that is always going to be the place to be. Plus they got a ton of TVs, so uh, head over to the Green Turtle Sport, uh, Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson. And Canton, pick up your free $10 bet, experience the ultimate destination for game day excitement, great food, and live in-person betting. That is the Bet Park Sportsbooks in Towson and Canton, free bet every Thursday. And of course, the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton is one of the places where you can find Goose Flights Lager. Available in cans there at the Green Turtle in Canton, also available in cans at Alonzo's in Roland Park, the seven Maryland locations of Glory Days Grill. Available in cans and Sixers at the Costa Sin and Dundalk, as well as Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North. And available in six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. Love Goose Flights Lager. Delicious brew. Collector's can. 198 from every can sold goes to benefit the Goose Flights Foundation and what they're doing to continue Tony's legacy by providing non-emergency medical transport for those in need goose flights and go to pressboxonline.com slash goose flights there's a great contest you can sign up for while you're there only one week remaining to win up to a thousand dollars in baltimore sports ticket credit it's a very cool thing so make sure you go check that out here's what's coming up tonight totally tubular wise i mentioned earlier towson gotta have it tonight against monmouth 7 o'clock, MeTV Baltimore and Flow Hoops for that one. ESPN Plus, UMBC is at Maine at 6 o'clock. Big Ten Hoops tonight, Fox Sports 1, Rutgers and Purdue at 7, Michigan and Northwestern at 9. The rest of the college basketball you can find at glennclarkradio.com. The Iowa women, if you are just invested in watching every Caitlin Clark game all season long, they played Indiana tonight at 8. I had my favorites on my ESPN app, so yeah. I don't blame you. It's on uh, Peacock tonight at 8 o'clock as they take on Indiana. Uh, do you not have Peacock? I do, uh, but it, I like being Maryland? able to go back and forth between you know, uh, a couple I games. Okay. I get that. Know, so I got to be locked in. That's why I, I ended up watching all two hours of the Maryland game uh, Tuesday night because I didn't want to switch. Flip. I just didn't feel like switching off of Peacock. Uh, LSU women and Angel Reese host Auburn tonight at 9. That's on SEC Network. The first spring training baseball game of the year is this afternoon at 3 o'clock on yes. ESPN, Dodgers and Padres. Oh, who cares If you're a man. sicko, if you're a sick, sick person, you can do that. They should have made it like Royals Twins or something. I mean, <laughs> I think it's because they're playing. Aren't they opening the season in um, Seoul, the, the Dodgers and the Padres? So I think they get the head start on spring training as well because they're going to play the first real games of the year, if I remember correctly. Because they're playing them in, is it Seoul or is it, I think uh, it's in Seoul, right? Hang on a second. Dodgers, Padres. Yes, it is. Yes, correct. Seoul, South Korea, March 20th and 21st. So because they're starting the regular season early, they're starting spring training early as well is uh, the deal there. All right. And also uh, Capitals Lightning, 7 o'clock on ESPN, ESPN Plus and Hulu for Predators Kings at 1030. Monumental Wizards Nuggets at 9 as the second half of the NBA season gets underway tonight. TNT Suns Mavericks at 7.30. That would get my attention, but Rita and Glenn tonight, 6-9 on 105.7 The Fan. Lakers-Warriors tonight at 10 on TNT. We did not get to talk at all about Pat Spencer. Uh, Awesome. Just awesome. And we'll see when he makes his debut. I don't know. I I, I sent him a text last night. We'll see if we might not uh, be able to catch up with Pat Spencer. Maybe after his debut would be a cool time to do that. Um, but yes, Pat Spencer, the former Loyola lacrosse star, the boys Latin standout, who after his 
lacrosse career ended at Loyola. He won one of the greatest players in college lacrosse history. Won the Tawaritan Award and then went and played a year at uh, Northwestern of basketball. Pat has been grinding away overseas in the G League, briefly with the Wizards G League team. Now he's got his shot, signed a two-way deal with the Warriors. That means he'll be on the roster for both G League. That's what a two-way deal is, both G League and NBA games. So presumably during the course of that two-way deal, he'll get the opportunity to make his NBA debut, which is just effing amazing. I mean, really unbelievable. Like, it won't get talked about, you know, like uh, other great two-sport athletes. I'm not trying to say that Pat Spencer is Deion Sanders, but... well. Yeah, he's way better. <laughs> um, I mean, one of the greatest athletes I've ever don't want to disrespect Pat that way. I've yeah. ever covered. Obviously, I mean, it's just a joy to watch that dude and an incredible story. So, who knows? Maybe it's tonight against the Lakers, ten o'clock on TNT, uh, Golf Channel for round one of the PGA's Mexico Championship at four o'clock, and Access TV for TNA Impact tonight at eight. Non-sports? Um, not a whole lot. Impractical Jokers, obviously, at ten on True TV. Um, Jimmy Kimmel is going to have the cast of Oppenheimer as they're all up for Oscar. Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, and uh, RDJ. And uh, that is really it. New episode of The Traitors on Peacock. Is that a thing? Robert Downey Jr. is RDJ? Is that? He's always been RDJ. Well, yeah. Like, would people actually say that? I don't know. I, I guess not too many people say it out, out loud. Okay. But yeah, it's like, I've never heard that. Type it often. If you say so. Uh, and then Avatar, the last Airbender uh, live action series, is out on Netflix today. Um, I was excited Gonna for really it. f that chicken, huh? <laughs> I was excited for it for about thirty seconds because I liked I loved the show when I was a kid, um, and the and the and the show was like the the animated show on Nickelodeon. What animated show? Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, if you with Aang so. and you, you've never. You've oh, never this heard. is not Avatar, Avatar. Avatar. No, no, this, this is, is not a different. A, yeah, I thought this was somehow the, related the to the Avatar. No, yeah, not James Cameron. This is a Avatar different thing. And, All right, well, then never is. mind. I take it back. Um, They're not effing that chicken. Well, they kind. I don't know. It is. It is a remake. Effing a different chicken. Yeah, they are. Um, it's got to be your chicken. It looked awesome, like for like the first thirty seconds to see like it in live action, but then it just it looks it does not look very good at all. It doesn't look like they casted the any of the characters very well. Again, this is just from watching a two minute trailer, but uh, I, I'm I, I was excited and now I'm not be after watching the trailer, which okay. is a little disappointing. Appa looks cool. He's like the big like flying buffalo thing. You've probably you've never seen anything from Avatar: The Last Airbender. I, I gotta be ever. Have ne- it does not register in any way. I loved it when I was a kid. If you say so. Yeah. So I was disappointed. Uh, I was excited, and then I was disappointed. Big old it's, ball of nothing over here. That's I where thought, I think it's going to be. I thought it was the Navi. I thought they were. They now, were doing, another. I, I was surprised I hadn't heard more about it, frankly. Another like, seven years. It's a I huge think. Disney property now. Like, yeah. Why would we have not been talking more about this Avatar show? But it's because it's a different thing altogether. Correct. Netflix. Still. Paul Abdul will be on Impractical Jokers tonight. Sure. God bless. <laughs> Papa bless. All right. Very good. That'll do it for us. Thanks today to uh, Kevin Boyle from Monteverde Academy. Thanks also to uh, Gabe Lax, as well as to um, Dick Kostakpol from CBS. We'll get it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. GrabItGlennClarkRadio.com. Stands in tomorrow. He is. That is correct. Is that a list of things? Talk some baseball with him. That's Stuff the and things. List yeah. of things. It's the phones. That's what it was. It was yeah, blame it was. the phones. The phones. How dare you? Set this How dare back. you, phones? How dare you? Yeah, years. We might never recover from the couple of minutes where the phones didn't work. (laughs) 
Thanks, everybody at Pressbox. All of our great spot. I had to move. We had a thing in the studio yesterday. I had to move the binder over here. And it's, ah, it's very inconvenient. Yeah, help you out. I got it. I got it. I don't have uh, I don't have the reach that I once did. Still have that. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox. All of our great sponsors and partners. Live Casino and Hotel. Mother's North Grill. AJ Michaels. Guilford Hall Brewery. Royal Farms. Costason. Superbook Sports. Glory Days Grill. Your local Toyota dealer. Buyatoyota.com. Green Turtle. Bet Park Sportsbooks. Appreciate all of them. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Towson. Go UMBC. Duke sucks. <laughs>